It seems to me that when you get older, society focuses entirely on the deficit model, on the decline, on what's happening as your body quietly falls apart or your mind falls apart. So I think there's a huge underutilised resource in older people if all you ever do is look at how to address the decline. Get the focus on positive ageing as opposed to that negative. Hello and welcome to UmiCast, a podcast about business and entrepreneurship. This conversation is the fifth and final instalment of our special series with the Innovation Super Network, which connects businesses with the opportunities, finance and support they need to innovate and grow. It's been a real pleasure to work with the team at Innovation Super Network on this series and this final episode certainly doesn't disappoint. But before we get into it, I just want to summarise what we've uncovered over the course of the series. So first up, we had Jordan Darg and Sean Foy talking about the innovation funding gap in the Northeast and how to bridge it. Then we had Sarah Cox on mission-led innovation and the need to direct innovation activity towards solving social, economic and environmental challenges. Then we had Estelle Blanks explaining what innovation ecosystems are and why they're essential for economic regeneration and growth. The penultimate episode saw Lisa Morrison, David Lynch and Sarah Cox come together to discuss Challenge North Tyne uh, and their initiative to deliver energy efficient low carbon homes. And finally, in this episode, we discuss the other innovation challenge currently open to North of Tyne SMEs the challenge to support older people at home, work and play. And I'm joined for this one once again by Innovation Challenge Programme Director Sarah Cox, alongside Innovation Manager Hermina Eli and Sandy Rickaby, Trustee and Research Coordinator at the Third Age Trust or the U3A. It's a conversation about healthy ageing and longevity, uh, how we create more inclusive products and services and how we tap into the as yet untapped potential of older people. Uh, Sarah, Hamina, Sandy and I also talk about issues around access to public services, banking and financial services, access to technology in the digital world where so much of our modern lives are lived. So if you want to get involved with this challenge, uh, applications are open until November 24th and you can register your interest at challengenortheast.co.uk. So this is Hamina Eli, Sandy Rickaby and Sarah Cox on supporting older people at home, work and play. Uh, well, welcome to the podcast, everyone, and welcome back, Sarah, uh, returning for your third appearance, I think, now, is it? I know. I'm sorry for anyone who regularly listens to the podcast to be sick of the sound of me soon enough. <laughs> and welcome also to uh, you, Hermina, and to you, Sandy, as well. Uh, really looking forward to closing out the, the innovation series today. Uh, so, yeah, welcome both. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect, perfect. So the previous episode we recorded, Sarah, was obviously on the first of these challenges being run mm-hmm. by Challenge North Tyne around decarbonisation of homes, which we talked about. So today we want to talk about the second challenge, right, which is to support all the people live uh, healthier, happier lives. So mm-hmm. let's just jump straight in, Sarah, with kind of, you know, why is Challenge North Tyne launching this uh, innovation mission to support all the people in the region? No, thank you so much. And thank you for having me back again. Um, it is 
Uh, as I've said in previous episodes, and I'll try and keep it brief for anyone who's listened previously, um, Challenge North Tyne is launching a mission to support older people in the region. Um, it is to support older people at home, work and play. And one of the reasons we're launching this is because we recognise we have an ageing population. Um, the ageing demographic is incredibly diverse. Um, there's a lot, you know, there's a big difference between a 65-year-old and another 65-year-old, depending on um, economic background or other factors and um, across that that group. But we, what we do know is generally we don't fully address the needs of that group. There are a lot of unmet needs. There is a lot of um, opportunity to both address the kind of the desires and the aspirations of that group as well as maybe their changing physical needs and other requirements as they get older. Um, so with this challenge we are looking to support a number of North of Time based organisations. We built a really great uh, challenge supporter group of which U3A is one and Sandy can tell us more about that. Um, so what we're really looking to support through this challenge is any organisation that wants to develop solutions that are either new to their organisation or might be um, new to the marketplace that are geared at an older market that are geared at an older market that really address those unmet needs and desires and wants. Uh, we want to support those businesses with funding, support, introductions to potential collaborators and partners, and also working with organisations like U3A, where if you aren't older yourself and you don't have lived experience of the issues you might be addressing, you can work with lead users who can support you in the development of something that really meets the needs uh, of an older customer or beneficiary base. Okay, great. And and obviously, Sarah, you've mentioned there the, the U3A, Sandy. So I'll, I'll just bring you in really to talk a little bit more about the, the Third Age Trust and, uh, you know, what what you guys do and, and, and why you're happy to be sort of working with Sarah and the, the guys at Innovation Super Network. Yes, uh, the U3A is a national charity that has over a thousand branches out in the regions. In the northeast of England, there are 51 with 10,000 members wow. and all, all retired or no longer in full-time employment. Uh, we provide um, opportunities for them to um, learn new skills any kind of skill, anything you can't currently do is education, is a skill. And um, they are taught, if you like, if that's the right word, by their peers. So it's a peer-led model. Mm. We use the skills and expertise of the members to uh, provide the interest groups for other members to attend. It seems to me that when you get older, society focuses entirely on the deficit model on the decline, on what's happening as your body quietly falls apart or your mind falls <laughs> apart. Um, I think it's, it's, it's brain, body, brain, limbs and, and body fall apart and, and how to pick up the pieces and how to deal with that. When you retire, one of the, the big things is that you lose um, your structure to your day, you lose your routine, you lose purpose to your life. Mm. You know, being on holiday all the time is not, not a good way to be. It's aimless, rootless, aimless. And, and so you need more than that. But you also lose the opportunity to feel valued, to feel that you've, you've got skills that are useful to other people, that you have a valuable and positive contribution to make. Mm. It's seen as a very negative period of your life, and actually that's not the reality at all. So I think there's a huge underutilised resource in older people if all you ever do is look at how to address the decline. 
Of course, I think that's such an important point and, and, re- and really sort of hits at what this kind of healthy, happy ageing process is all about. So, Hamina, I don't know if you just want to kind of come in on that to talk a little bit more. When we talk about sort of healthy ageing, what, what what kinds of things are we are we trying to promote? Is it like Sandy says, you know, to make older people feel like they have a contribution to make because, of course, they do? Yeah, um, so thank you. Um, well, I, I suppose I would, wanted to mention how obviously broad the area is. Um, you can't really pin it down at all. Um, and in trying to scope out the challenge, we did look at um, work, home and play as three areas that we could sort of look to bring ideas in on, um, you know, because actually when you're talking about purpose in life um, and enjoyment in life and your home and family and connections, those are really kind of those parts of your life that anyone at any age um, that, you know, their priorities will revolve around. Um, So with Workplace, we're really interested to pull in um, wider stakeholders, for example, from HR, recruitment, um, you know, well-being in the workplace is huge at the moment. Of course. Um, the retention of staff and how do you keep people working happily and healthily for longer? Um, you know, that's got financial implications, of course, now more than ever. Um, and you also, you know, as you get on older, uh, um, you know, and personally, I've been through that where you have family members, you may become a carer yourself. Um, and you've got added pressures in your work life that you have to balance. So, you know, how can employers, you know, relate and support people better in the workplace? So that's a huge area for the whole of society and industry in every single sector at the moment. Um, home, of course, um, you know, that's that's all everything around home, shopping, banking, finances, um, your connectedness with the outside world. If someone becomes ill or has mobility issues or, you know, just can't communicate through, you know, the digital inclusion, you know, again, it covers everything. And and then lastly, play was that area where it's all the fun stuff. You know, we want to be able to have fun at any age. Um, that's important. It brings together different generations, um, brings... Uh, your physical activities, um, culture, music, art. Um, we're looking as well at the creative industries and how can we, you know, utilise some of the skills and enjoyment um, that's, again, perhaps not valued in the same way that mm. other business models would be. You know, can we explore that and be a bit more ambitious? Um and social prescribing again you know you can social prescribe an arts and crafts class now but can we you know push that further what else can we do to bring in other interests that bring people together so yep so it's really all-encompassing I think this challenge and we really do hope people will appreciate that almost anything goes you know we're really open to hear all those ideas that's been a theme through through sort of Mm -hmm. both of these challenges that we've looked at that that is quite open and, and, and broad so I guess just to reframe that, so you're looking for businesses who have solutions to help with, you know, older people at work, home and play, that those are the kind of the broad criteria that you're looking at, right? Very broad, but again, you know, that could bring in transport, it could bring in the, you know, access to your shopping and your high street or, you know, it really could be anything. So um, focusing in on how, you know, you can help support older people to, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. In those spaces, yeah. Okay, cool. So one of the things I wanted to ask is, you know, we, we hear it all the time in, in the media and elsewhere about the UK has this ageing 
population. But I think to anyone listening to this who has seen that 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 phrase before, but maybe doesn't. Does what? What do you mean by aging population? I don't know who wants to come in on that. Maybe Sarah, do you want to come in on that? I'm happy to jump in, but I will always defer to Sandy in uh, in any of these because uh, <laughs> as I'm uh, learning rapidly about the area. But I mean, what really surprised me was the figure that I think currently 11 million people are over the age of 65. Um, that is about 20% of the population and it's only going to grow. So that's going to go up by another few million in the next decade. Okay. Um, we are, we really do have a society that is gearing older. And also we clearly, as we've identified, a lot of our products, a lot of our marketing, a lot of the way we structure our homes, our, you know, public life is geared around younger, um, a younger demographic. Mm. And we're ignoring what is a notably large percentage of the population, which is only going to grow. So this mission is trying to, particularly in the region, bring clusters of business to get businesses together to introduce them to key partners that are trying to solve these problems that can open key doors. And we're hoping we can build collaborations maybe between the businesses themselves and make the Northeast really supported on its journey to be uh, a leader in in living well in later life okay okay and um yeah i i I think really what's important about this aging population piece as well as what you said sandy around we focus too much on the deficits associated with that right around the pressures on the the health service or you know people being kind of isolated from the west the rest of the community or kind of being left behind technologically with, you know, the internet changing so quickly and we perhaps lose sight of if there's 11 million people at the moment over the age of 65, that's a a huge customer base, right, for any any business. And do you think that we could do more to be sort of tapping into... To, to, to that. I'm sure we could. As, as I mentioned earlier there, um, there's a, a huge bank of skills and experience in older people from their working lives and they're just life's experience. And, and it's untapped largely. They yeah. have many ideas about how things could be improved, um, services that are missing, products that are badly designed, etc. And, and nobody asks them, generally speaking. Um, a lot of design is done by younger people who think that this is what older people want, and in fact it isn't. And, and uh, there's huge opportunities lost there to uh, be producing goods that people want mm-hmm. or providing services that people want or people can use. Yeah, and I think that comes back to your point, Amina, as well, around um, keeping older people in the workforce for longer. One of the things we saw during COVID was that there was a, a big increase, I think, in... in people leaving the, the workforce early. Yeah. So when it comes back to your point about the design of products and services being designed by younger people, it probably is touching on the fact that due to like care responsibilities and things like that and workplaces not really being fit for purpose, we have this issue of that's, you know, that's sort of part of the reason why products and services aren't being designed correctly. Would you, would you mm-hmm. sort of agree with that, Hermina, would you um, say? Uh, perhaps I'm just thinking what the question was kind of there but um, yeah I suppose um, yeah retention of people longer in work obviously obviously not all of us want to work for longer but perhaps don't have a choice Um, 
you know, myself, I'm thinking, gosh, I've got another, at least another 20 years to work, which is quite frightening, actually. But then you feel, actually, I'm, I'm only just gone halfway through my working life. And actually, you know, you do feel like you do have a lot more to give. Um, and as you say, there's that skills and untapped talent there uh, and knowledge. And, and what's been interesting since being on the programme is talking uh, and exploring how that that tolerance level is changing um, in the last few years, especially post-COVID, you know, and the flexibility around the workplace, homeworking, you know, all employers are changing the way they employ now um, and having to employ and fight for candidates effectively. So, you know, we should be looking at actually what are the skills can we you know, reshape things to work better for people of all ages and not just older people, but younger people coming in as well. Can they, yeah. you know, can some loops be closed between older and younger generations to share that knowledge? And um, so there's a lot to explore. And um, yeah, no, it's really interesting actually sort of seeing what will come through in the yeah. applications and, yeah. and with the partnerships. We're it's really, um, just if I can just jump in of quick. Course. It's a really interesting point Amina makes there because it's one of the things that we've discovered increasingly. You know, there's lots of research on this, but we're seeing it on the ground in the northeast with partners we're speaking to. There is a bit, a large number of older members of the workforce, 55 plus, who've left post-COVID, mm-hmm. obviously because they were uncertain about risks to their health and the shifting, you know, working patterns, and they're really enjoying maybe being at home more with the family. But maybe they they do want more of that purpose that's provided by work and sharing of skills outside of the home. And they also, a number of them, like with cost of living crisis, they can't afford to indefinitely remain without a wage. Um, And what we're seeing in a lot of priority areas, um, priority sectors across the region and beyond, that we have a massive skills deficit. We cannot meet, in our last episode, we were talking about the challenge we have around delivering energy efficient net zero homes and any kind of green ambitions or net zero ambitions will need a massive input of skills that we don't currently have and we're working towards but as much as we need younger people um, Mm. stepping up to the challenge and taking on the more and better skilled jobs that we need to deliver that future ambition older people have a huge amount to give as well they have a breadth of decades of experience they have experiencing managing people in different circumstances that younger members of their team might not have um, and if businesses could be a bit more creative and the organisations that support them, recruitment agencies, HR, we could be a lot more creative around how we structure work in this new uncertain time post-COVID of how do we make work uh, beneficial for all. And that's one of the, that's why we focus on work as being a priority area and we're really keen to speak to, you might be a training organisation, you might be a, an HR firm you may be a medium-sized business with a sizable workforce that you recognize as aging and you want to think of new ways you can address their needs and we would love to hear from you on this challenge to support that activity okay okay so i i think just to pick up with you sandy in terms of the 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 u3a and you know you talk about those sessions that, that the members give around their sort of skills and and I mean, do you find do you find a lot of them would like to, um, are a lot of them still in in employment, or are they or they are they sort of all retired really who are doing this? But is the do you get the sense that there's an appetite for them to be contributing more to kind of social challenges and, and everything else? Yes, I'm sure there is. I mean, the criteria for being a member of U3A is that you're no longer in full-time employment, right? So you can be working part time but not full time. Okay, um, but 
it's not just about employment. Some people do want to continue working or need to financially. Other people don't, but they still want to be able to contribute. Um, and, and there are things that we certainly are getting involved in that will now start to work towards that. So, for example, we've been doing some work with Manchester Metropolitan University, okay. where the uh, students in the design department wanted some help on how to design a better blister pack for medicines because a lot of people, not just older people, find them very challenging to open. And we surveyed our members and we found that 12% of them said, yes, I can't open these blister packs. The students were challenged to design better. We put together a focus group and, and our focus group of retired people worked with the students to design better, pack, better packaging, which was 3D printed, and the, uh, our members tested it out for them. Now, those students have a whole different kind of awareness from having consulted with older people. And as they leave and go into work, then yeah. they will be more inclined to consult with older people. And I think that's part of what it's about. It's not just about them being employed in a, in a paid employment. It's mm. about their skills and knowledge and understanding being utilised. Yeah, and is that research kind of... It's sort of a research element, isn't it? Yes. It's kind of yes. tapping into what older people can tell us from their experience, yes. right? So is that an important part of, of the work that you it's guys do? It's a very do? important part, and we have a whole a research element because we don't want people to be passive learners. Mm. We want them to be active and involved and working collaboratively. So we encourage them to get involved in research projects, but not as subjects. Lots of universities contact us and ask for people to be subjects in their research. But actually, it's about us being actively involved. And we're happy to work with businesses or universities as long as it's in an active way. We also work with you know, museums and all sorts of people on research as well. But I think we've done a lot of work recently with the Design Age Institute, who now realise here we've got a huge resource of older people who can contribute um, in that way, either doing the research or uh, being in focus groups for consultation. Yeah, because I suppose one of the things older people may have more of versus the sort of younger population is, is potentially time, right? It's, yes. And, and that's a resource that do you feel is not really being tapped into in the way that you see? Yes, and then, of course, the spin-off from that is that the older people involved feel valued, they feel that they've got a contribution to make and, and they've got skills that are valued and that, you know, they're going to help to improve the quality of life, not just for our current ger generation of older people, but those to come, such yeah. as yourselves. Yeah, so that that's what healthy aging's about, I suppose, really, isn't mm. it? Really great. So I think just to circle back to... Um, I think it's a really important point about the opportunities that are being missed by businesses not adapting their kind of products and, and services for older people and you touch on the, the blister packs examples there um, you know are you guys thinking about that kind of that that silver pound in terms of the conversations that you're having with businesses who you want to get involved with the challenge to say to them look there is this huge opportunity here the spending power of older people you've got a real vested interest in taking this subject seriously yeah, I suppose um, one of the things as well is a lot of stigma around getting older and, um, you know, I've got friends who are getting on and, you know, really should 
use a walking stick. However, they don't want to walk around with a walking stick. They don't want that horrible grey thing um, that looks yeah. like an old person. Um, but, you know, you then have that balance of safety, actually, and um, getting and out about course, mobility. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are opportunities, you know, in the practical sense in terms of physical things and mobility aids and, you know, just generally things around the home, you know, that are a huge potential market. Um, I suppose as well with the way the, the society's changing and becoming more digitised with shopping and online shopping, your supermarket shop, your banking, you know, we've all been pretty upset to see so many high street banks closing down and everything moving online. But actually, how do older people access, not just older people, actually anyone who who isn't so digitally savvy, you know, access their banking services? Um, you know, are there opportunities there for you know, and responsibilities really for those larger organisations to to look after their um, customers better. Um, you know, we talk about um, you know access and disability access, but at the same time, you know, it should be access for all. Um, you know, foreign language again and diversity in in the community is is you know a huge challenge, not just ageing. You know, but it's really a universal access that it should just be. A normal standard in everything you do. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any yeah. sector or business you could think of that shouldn't be thinking around any of well, any or all of those issues. In. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the the exciting thing for us here is the the breadth of the opportunity. Now, obviously, we we don't want to pay lip service to the fact that, you know, some of the solutions we could support could actually be looking at those more vulnerable older people, whether it's physically vulnerable or financially. Um, I know there's over 2 million people of pensionable age in the UK now that are classed as being in poverty. And as we mentioned, that diversity, that is something we need to be aware of as we move forward. But you know, as Amina was saying there, there's the breadth of this. If there are businesses that are listening to this now, or that you're, if you're listening and you know businesses that might be interested in, gearing their attention more to an older market if they're not doing so already uh, please do flag the program to them because you know as uh, sandy and hamina were saying it could be fashion it could be product design within the play side that self-expression or it could be um you know the um uh, arts and culture or sport it could be the the way that we build or manage homes the way that we uh, create living conditions that can support us throughout our lives as well and it could be the the work environment as well whether that's hr or uh, diversity and inclusion or um, skills and education so i would say um it's a big and i think important and exciting but also you know we're, we're very aware of the the um the challenges ahead and we'd love to work with businesses or organizations that are interested in addressing those i think uh, something that occurred to me there uh, was that access covers a wider range of things than just needing to use a walking stick, for example. And I know some of our members read back that in, in a shopping centre near where they lived, uh, it was in the Nottingham area, they'd installed new seats. And, and they're no good because people sit down and they're too low, they can't get back up off them. Um, and so there are things like that, too much street furniture. This now, so many um, cafes and things have got seating outside that's taking all the pavement space and people can't get, get past and so yeah, on. Got like um, so there's all that sort of thing. There's the bus services to get there, of course, we all know about that one. There's the lack of public loose. 
uh, and and certainly a lot more of them have closed since the pandemic and so on. So there there are all those kind of environmental issues as well as as the more practical things that you already mentioned. Okay, okay. That 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 sort of I think that the whole thing is really about access, isn't it? it it's about it's about access to the workforce for longer. Yes. It's about access to, to, to technology. And, and I think that's probably something to spend a little bit more time on is, is the, the, the technology element. Is that, yeah. is that something, uh, Sarah, that, that you guys are looking at specifically in, in this challenge in terms of, you know, we, we do know that, for example, the high, street, the high street banks have closed and then we've got online, online banking and that's obviously more difficult for people who aren't kind of native technology mm-hmm. users, which, which, which many older people, of course, aren't. And do you think that businesses maybe need to do more to... Yeah, I think any you know anyone can be aware of you know even no matter how many how digitally skilled you are having difficulty accessing certain services. Um, digital is an enormous tool, and it's one that we're very strong with in the northeast. We've got great clusters of activity in health that Hamina works in as well within financial technologies and others. So through this, we're really keen to work with digital organisations that might be looking at solutions they can develop or organisations that are already in this space but know that they need to be more inclusive and a lot more active in the way that they develop their services so they can meet the needs of an older audience and others who might not find it so easy to to use digital services. Um, So it's definitely something that we're looking at uh, and there's a lot of opportunity around there and the reason I'm really excited to, to work with Sandy and her membership on the challenge is that we will have that kind of live pool of individuals who can actually test out and shape some of these technologies. So really they are being developed with not for um, the the individuals that they're trying to benefit. Yeah, that comes yeah. exactly back, Sandy, to what you were saying, doesn't it, about let's let's sort of start at the beginning here and in the development of these products and services, let's have the input of older people. Yeah, and, and, and another point on that same thing. There are many people in my age group who are very confident in using digital uh, mm-hmm. technology, who do all sorts of things, who do Facebook and Instagram, all the rest of it, but will not do in online banking. Mm-hmm. They're frightened of it. Mm-hmm. And, and frightened that they're going to, because of all the publicity in the press, etc., they're going to have their identity stolen, they're going to have their bank accounts emptied, etc. And so you've got to get beyond that sort of barrier mm. as well. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we're doing uh, in the U3A, we are now training our members in how to campaign effectively. We're calling it influencing social change rather than campaigning, but that's really what it is. Um, but but well thought out, considered campaigning, not chaining yourself to railings or anything of that nature. Right. And and one of the things that we're hoping to start looking at nationally is the closure of high street banks, because yeah. that's causing all kinds of issues um, for members. And it, so it's not just people who are frightened to use the technology, it's those who are frightened in particular of the financial bit of it. Another point on that as well is that in some areas of the country and in the northeast among them, the broadband is terrible. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, if it's dropping out all the time or it's unbelievably slow, etc., that's very frustrating, isn't it? Not just for older people, for anybody. So that needs to be addressed as well at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so it's not just about the kind of research element for you guys, right? It's about taking that research and, and putting it into action through this like, influence and social, social change programme. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And okay. We, we did one just recently um, where we asked members what were the most frustrating everyday items that they use that are badly designed. And 60% said food packaging. Mm-hmm. That was the right. biggest. And then 12% blister packs. And, and so we now have... Uh, a, a report prepared which has been published it's on our websites on the design age institute website as well about those findings from that research uh, but we've drawn up a petition now and we're in the process of getting signatures to force a debate in parliament so it's 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 not just surveying members or teaching them how to campaign. It's what you then do with it to affect change. And we'd be very interested in working with anybody at all who who would, you know, see a role for us in what they're developing. Yeah. And and, and do you, uh, do you, Hermina and Sarah, see that as part of Innovation Super Network's role as well through this challenge? Because it is, obviously, it's, it's about practically what can you do in terms of, um, you know, bringing together partners to develop mm-hmm. these sort of specific products and services but I guess it's also about drawing attention to what's a very important issue yeah, you say I think so and um, and I think one of the things that's come up again because obviously this is an opportunity open for smaller businesses and medium businesses and you think what as an individual can you do or what as a small business can you do you might have a great idea but you know the big challenges are are huge, you know, in health, in society, and in, in the decarb and, and aging challenges. Um, however, the opportunity of the challenges as well going to bring together that um, collaboration with bigger stakeholders. So um, that's something that, as a small business, could be really critical to to making their idea actually have an impact and making something happen. Um, so really, we do want to encourage that, and that's. The, the process of the programme over the next um, months in towards the end of next summer mm-hmm. um, will actually give those smaller, medium businesses that opportunity to collaborate with big key stakeholders, key decision makers to test mm-hmm. out ideas that otherwise on their own or, or, you know, as an individual, you just simply couldn't do, yeah. um, which is pretty unique, I feel. And, and that's what's got mm-hmm. us all really excited. Yeah, absolutely. It's the it's that element of organisations like U3 and others that either have really unique insight into the problem or they are the gatekeepers for, you know, they could adopt solutions themselves or open up very large funding pots that could totally revolutionise a northeast-based business or a north of time-based business that could have a, a solution to something that is really needed. And we're building that challenge supporter network of, of organisations that, you know, they will be supporting the SMEs because we hope the secondary benefit is, and we've seen this on other missions that we've run, they get a chance to work together for a dedicated period of time and they get the support in identifying what their shared priorities are so there will be relationships and spin-off benefit that happens that is you know not directly linked to the SMEs that we're going to be supporting but that does help create this movement particularly in the region and beyond that is supporting innovation that will actively improve the lives of the older people that we are that live in the region with us. Yeah. No, I would agree absolutely, and I, I think that kind of collaboration is the key to it, isn't it? Bringing people together um, and utilising the different things that they can offer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 many hands make make light work, isn't it? And yeah. I think if you can bring together, um, you know, research research bodies, uh, sort of, you know, organisations, um, 
you know, large businesses, small businesses, then that's that's the best way to kind of put your heads together. And in, in terms of partners as well, I think, you know, are there any kind of specific partners? We've obviously got the, the, the third age trust. Is, are there any other sort of partners or stakeholders that you have involved in this that you would like to have involved in this conversations that you haven't or... Yeah, it's hard to know where to start because we've spoken we've spoken <laughs> so many businesses that are really key well, to, to support. Um, we're collaborating with um, the uh, based out of Newcastle University, the National Innovation Centre for Aging. Um, we're working with partners such as Newcastle Building Society, the Dafters Brush Charity, which um, supports those seeking cancer treatment. They have a very large um, volunteer force that tend to be older, and they're interested in exploring ideas that will support their volunteers to be active and involved for longer. Um, we've worked with partners as diverse as um, Tiny Weir Archives and Museums. Um, Hamina, you can help me out because there are dozens of organisations that yeah. are involved at this um, point. Well, and also some of the overlap is interesting with the uh, decarb um, of mm-hmm. homes challenge because obviously the, a lot of the big utility providers um, have a big remit to support their more vulnerable customers. Um, so we're talking with their vulnerability leads, for, so Gas Networks North, uh, Northern Power Grid, um, City Fibre, where we're talking about connectivity and broadband access um you know they're all really keen to actually get stuck in and and find solutions um because they might be able to do things on a big scale but actually understanding properly what's happening on the ground and and what those key sort of nuances are of of individual individual experience and and where sort of smaller organizations i think over the especially in the last few years have mopped up a lot of that um sort of care and social service um or sort of more community-based work um with sort of council cuts you know that there's a lot an awful lot of smaller organizations out there voluntary sector organizations that are are sort of playing a huge role and you know they would love to be working more closely with them as well to to really um you know make impact on the ground and to individuals it's good to see it's good to hear that a lot of the partners that that you would want to be involved the conversations that you've had with them have been positive and that there is that appetite to be involved so i think um is it worth spending a little bit more time on like that kind of healthcare innovation piece as well and in terms of um you know, we're talking about healthy aging, healthy lifespan, longevity and things like that. So will you also be looking uh, for businesses that, you know, are, you know, really at that kind of cutting edge of, so I guess, healthcare and, mm-hmm. you know, development yeah. of new medicines and things like that? Because I imagine that's a key piece yeah. of the puzzle to keep older people healthier for longer. Yeah, I mean, of course, we can look at anything. Um, I also work across the health and social care tech sector in the northeast region, look, working with businesses to support that, and that goes right into your life sciences. So, you know, by all means, um, I know the funding pot itself, when you're talking about development of life science and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, medicines and, and or, or more sort of wellness sort of products on that in that scale uh, won't really touch perhaps <laughs> what's very resource some of those yeah they are but um but at the same time um you know there are aspects to that um and it's a, a lot of it is an education piece they're finding you know when you speak with uh, a lot of the nhs trusts social services um you know sometimes it's not a solution or the product so much it's more about the education piece for people um how to learn how to you know, get that messaging across 
better for people across all sort of spectrums of life. That kind of public health um, messaging about yeah, diet that, that's and changing and, and, and that's changed. How do you actually do that nowadays? Everything's become digital. How do you actually reach out to people who haven't yeah. got digital access? Because actually, some you know, you need that choice. And how do you actually make that work effectively? Um, but certainly in health, um, there's also more of a move towards prevention rather than cure. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, some of the bigger issues around policy and funding, we can't necessarily affect. However, we can sort of shout about it and, and influence potentially through, you know, looking at new ways of working. So um, the NHS is obviously increasing its social prescribing um, models, which offer huge opportunity to smaller organisations to tap into, um, especially the creative arts sector, again, is recognising that opportunity in, in um, social prescribing, which is where, um, you know, you can actually get referred by your GP to, you know, uh, walking groups or gardening uh, right, or okay. art classes or, you know, music therapy or, you know, all the things that you wouldn't necessarily associate with health. Mm-hmm. However, you know, that does come, you know, it's part of that well-being that it's common sense, right? That actually, yeah. you know, to do those sorts of things, it's just living mm-hmm. well and bringing that quality of life back. But it, the sad thing is nowadays, actually, you have to put a value to, to it. Yeah. Um, so often evidencing the value and the impact is is interesting. And that's something we can mm-hmm. help with. We have connections with the universities, academics who are really well-versed and have the opportunities to to physically measure the impact of a program for example of art therapy yeah you know? that's that's a really valuable point that Amina makes in terms of the, the bigger piece for this if there are organizations that want to develop something that has that social and lived impact for the the beneficiaries that would use it i would say get in touch because we can use as Amina says that our program to really dig into what is the benefit of these so the businesses can, what we're really hoping through the challenge is that we can help businesses to define a solution they want to develop that is in response to the challenge and over a short period of time use their resource effectively and use their time effectively and some of the funding we can provide to demonstrate movement towards that that benefit they're trying to provide, whether it's financial and job creation or whether it's also this creates this benefit for the people who would use it and therefore you've got a stronger case to make to additional funders or the NHS, for example, about how this can um, meet their needs and open up doors to growth that way. So I think that's a really important point as well because even if the funding is only the beginning, it, it can you know, they can engage with Innovation Super Network through this challenge and who knows what doors that'll open to, mm-hmm. you know, a bigger funding pot. Mm-hmm. So I think, would you encourage people who are, you know, looking at this and, and thinking, you know, it's going to be huge amounts of funding and R&D that's required. It's probably still worth having a conversation with you guys because this could just be the starting point mm-hmm. to a much, you know, something much greater. Absolutely. I think the reason we've designed the program the way that we have, and I'll just recap the, the um, offering that we're providing. Uh, as long um, You can register your interest by going to our website, um, www.challengenortheast.co.uk. You can click on the Aging Challenge. You've just put in your details. It'll take a couple of minutes, and then a member of our team will chat to you about what it is you're proposing to develop and to give you some guidance on putting together a strong application. Uh, if you're successful in making a, a brief application about what your idea is, and we've kept it very light touch so you're not wasting a lot of time doing that, uh, you can get £5,000 prototype funding, which is paid upfront. You don't have, and you get it before you spend anything, so you don't need to create any match for that. You get it into your business to develop a solution that you've said that you can create and we know is 
important for the region because it addresses the needs of all the people that aren't being met. You get an accelerator program where you get introduced to organisations like U3A, but also some of the commercial partners we've spoken to that are looking to support the ideas that are coming through that might adopt them or at the very least can open doors to growth if your idea does what it says it can do. Um, and you get the, the support from our team in testing that very rapidly, demonstrating that it can create the economic or social impact that you indicate. And what we're encouraging businesses to use that, albeit small amount of money to do, is to demonstrate that. Um, what is the bit of the puzzle that you need to show to get onto that next stage, which is opening doors to bigger, bigger pots of money, whether yeah. that's private investment, whether that's um, larger grants that might support you. Um, so is it the proving that people really want this? Is it the, we can technically do it because we've got a team that can build it as we've said we can? Or, or is it the business model element of people are willing to pay for this because yeah. we can demonstrate the value that it has? This? Absolutely. So I'd ask, I'd encourage anyone who's thinking about to think about what they think, what they're looking to develop in those terms. And you might have a very technically complex idea or you might have already developed something, but this opportunity could give you some funding to test out your solution in a new context and pivot it or adapt it in certain ways to better address the needs in this instance of, a, of an older audience or customer base. And you've got the support of us and of U3A and our other partners to do that. Okay. Um, and then there's a, a pot of money for the ideas that have the biggest impact at the end of those five, six month accelerator programs. So what we're really hoping this will do is it'll get businesses to think about what can we do with the relationships that are there? You'll get in a room with loads of partners that you might have spent months or years trying to get in front of. So it, that funding that we're providing, it really is to, I say, de-risk the investment of your time in innovating in an area where we really do need solutions that work. Okay, okay. And we probably should have sort of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I do think it's important to kind of uh, zoom out a little bit. And, you know, obviously we're, we're talking you know, we're all we're all really involved in, in the northeast element of this. So I think, you know, when we're thinking about healthy aging and the older population of the northeast specifically, um, you know, how 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 are we doing? Would you say? I don't know, Sandy. Do you want to maybe coming on coming on that first? In, in, <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I, 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 I suppose I suppose I mean. Um, you know, we ha we have kind of like regional um, disparities in all different kinds mm. of uh, of data sets, right? So, so yeah, I think how are we doing in terms of in terms of aging, Amina? Yeah, well, I think um, firstly, I'd say aging isn't just a, a northeast region or national, or, or you know, it's a global problem. Um, some countries more than others. I know that Japan, uh, Italy, you know, there are, are countries where it's you know, they like us are if not even further ahead on that aging demographic. Um, one of the interesting things in the Northeast is, is the sort of spread and, and extreme kind of conditions we have. So, you know, Northumberland is one of the, is the largest county, the most um, geographically, you know, large um, and least densely populated areas. So, you know, you've got that urban rural kind of, Mm. trickiness with connectivity you've got houses still off grid no you know no broadband not not even power or some houses i think found themselves without water because they used local wells so you know over the drought period um so you know huge challenges in terms of access to services um and and again over the last years cutbacks to some of those more rural services such as library closures and um gps and and even your local village schools closing. So, you know, there 
that community feel yeah. has gone from a lot of those areas. You've got other similarly rural counties down south, but you know we can actually potentially learn from each other, learn what's happened in other areas. Um, you've got dep um, deprived areas and huge differences in life expectancy in some parts of um, the northeast, where you know just less than a mile away you could have a ten-year difference in you know life expectancy. So you know wow. we've got. Um, you know, amazing health and amazing digital mm -hmm. clusters, amazing hospitals, um, you know, in life science sector um, is, you know, world renowned in, in, in certain things like clinical trials and, and development of, of cancer cures and things. However, you know, you also on the back door have have this real, um, you know, social um, mobility issues, unemployment, um, low aspiration, um, you know, and so there's a lot of challenges and it's those two extremes, I think, that gives the Northeast its unique flavour as well. You know, that yeah. grittiness that, yeah, and that collaboration that is quite unique in the Northeast. I'm not from here, you can probably hear. However, um, <laughs> you know, you do definitely, and having spoken to a lot of people coming here from the health and life science sector, for example, who travel globally, they just say, what a unique place we do have where they don't see that collaboration happening in other places. So I think we should be feeling motivated by that to do that, keep that momentum going, use challenges such as this, um, other programs that the North of Tyne Combined Authority uh, is promoting um, and putting out this you know, in the, over the next year um, to really, you know, use that funding, use that support um, to see where we can go with it and be brave, I think. Think beyond the box and, um, you yeah. know, that's... Yeah, I think that, that, that the key thing there is that kind of spirit of community piece as well. And, and Sandy, I suppose, in your experience through engaging with the, the U3A, is it, would you say that's one of the most important things that the organisation provides is that sense of community for people? Yeah. And that sense of belonging, just following on from what Amina said there, was that that um, the press doesn't help any, the media doesn't help any by this sort of perception that we are the poor relations of the UK and that we have high unemployment and lots of poverty and low aspiration, all those things. And so it, a lot of people internalise that, don't they? Because mm -hmm. if it's, you know, if it's in the newspapers, it must be right. Mm -hmm. We're one of the worst areas in the UK. You know, one of our um, local authorities has got the highest levels of deprivation of any in the UK, etc. That sort of attitude mm -hmm. doesn't help any, does it? No. no, no, it doesn't. But then if you see how many people have moved up to the northeast after mm -hmm. COVID, you know, because they want to get away from yeah. down south, you'd be yeah. surprised. So yeah. so we do have an awful lot going for us. So. Yeah, I'm sure we do. Yeah. And, uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> the, thing, the, the thing that Hamina and myself and the rest of the team that we get really excited about are the, you know, the passionate entrepreneurs that we work with. And there's a number that we've been supporting in past programs that are developing uh, solutions that support older people, which has been really rewarding to see their growth. And, you know, we do kind of have this chip on our shoulder that, you know, we're, you know we don't, don't get as much investment as elsewhere. And, you know, we, yeah. we are the poor relation, as Sandy says. But if you're on the ground working with kind of some of the, you know, people who are trying to make change, you can it doesn't really seem like that it's the reality and uh, um, I'm really excited to kind of meet some of the the new kind of business leads or kind of social change makers that might want to get in touch and 
learn about some of the support that hopefully we'll be able to provide and some of the introductions we're able to make because we're excellent problem solvers we just don't shout about it enough and we might solve a problem in a certain area and then assume that that's just the done thing instead of thinking about how we can scale that up and and uh, spread the, the benefit a bit more widely so hopefully that is something that we'll be able to support with and uh, I know Sandy and her organization are really passionate about that getting that best practice out there and um, I'd really encourage anyone who's listening. Uh, U3A has, and Sandy in particular, has championed some really great research and explorative projects that demonstrate how we can do things better as businesses and as communities. Um, and the, the insight is there. We just need the innovative businesses to, to put some of it into use um, and address some of the needs of our, our old citizens in the region. Perfect. And it's beginning to happen. It's, mm-hmm. it's already happening now. There are people who've approached me um, recently through uh, Innovative Solutions, really, um, to looking for collaboration. Mm-hmm. And that right, was okay. Also back in the mission events where we've been... Yeah, I came to two... I spoke at two of the events that uh, Sarah uh, organised and... Uh, I've had at least half a dozen different organisations now contact me wanting further talks on how we wow. can collaborate going forward. So that, yeah, that's That in key. itself shows the benefit mm-hmm. of this, right? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I think, yeah, sort of just to kind of uh, circle back or wrap things up or, or, or whichever way we want to put it, I kind of wanted to ask that question around... Um, you know, if you could make one change uh, or if there's, if there's really one key message that you want to get across about how um, we as individuals, we as businesses uh, or the government, how we approach ageing, um, what, what would that message be? Who wants to, who wants to come in first? Well, for that? me, it would be about forming collaborations and consulting the end users. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Sarah? Mm-hmm. I think, I suppose it's that, for me, it might be that kind of like shift in perception or mindset. You know, Sandy has done, um, you know, she's opened kind of my eyes with some of the the research they've done and some of the talks that she's very kindly given um, around our events, around looking at ageing differently and getting organisations to look at ageing differently and to see it as a priority that we need to address. We need to be building sustainable businesses and organisations that are addressing people's needs and their workforce's needs throughout their entire lives. Um, I kind of, I injured myself quite badly a few years ago and it's really opened my eyes to kind of looking at your life with kind of a long lens and preparing for, you know, if, you know, suffering for a while with kind of more limited mobility. Um, it did kind of give me that personal experience of, you know, we, we do need to take care of ourselves for a long life and have as many active years as possible. And I'd love to support more organisations and also policymakers to be thinking actively about how we build that into the way we structure our work, um, our homes and our play. Sorry, that sounds like I'm doing the strap line, but it just popped in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and Hermina, I suppose, yeah, what, what, what is that? Um, you know, we, we don't like to do silver bullets and things, but is, is, there, something, is there something that you would like to, to, to sort of put out there as a key message for whether it be this, this challenge as a whole or something that you would, you would really want businesses to do or government to do around this ageing um, sort of subject? Yeah, so I was going to say there isn't obviously any silver bullets. I think uh, Sarah and Sandy covered most of what I would say. However, I suppose I would say as well that um, this is relevant and touches everybody and every business and every part of society. So don't think, oh, that's ageing. That's not me. You know, it's got nothing yeah. to do with us. I think that would be one point. And, and also that idea that it's um, also not just individuals, it's that community and 
healthy living or well living and quality of life that really, Mm -hmm. you know, it's that looking more prevention rather than cure, looking at how do we actually, we don't want to get to that end point. We want to put that off as long as possible. So, you know, how to keep enjoying life as long as possible, which, which covers all the bases really yeah. um, get the focus on to positive aging as mm, opposed to the yeah. negative mm-hmm. so that's something yeah. that all of us want to yes. be and, be and you're about. all going to get you yeah. Yeah. we're all on the way nobody, nobody makes it out alive <laughs> yeah. okay. you're all going to land up in being in the older generation so anything that's done now will have benefit for you for you coming up of course of course brilliant well yeah thanks so much guys I suppose um, just to restate where is the best place for people to go Sarah to get uh, support yes if you go to challengenortheast.co.uk we have a challenge page on the Aging Challenge there and um, there's videos from our last launch event where you'll be able to watch Sandy giving a fantastic talk as well as some of our other challenge supporters hopefully that'll prompt some thoughts if you're an organisation that has a North of Time base or know any that might be interested in coming forward to uh, get involved in the challenge Perfect, perfect. Well, thanks so much for coming in, guys. I've really enjoyed this this uh, conversation and yeah, all the best with the, the challenge and things moving forward. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Sandy Rickaby, Hamina Eli and Sarah Cox bringing our special innovation series with Innovation Super Network to a close. A great conversation to finish on. I'm sure you'll agree and lots to pull out from it in terms of key takeaways and things to consider. So to begin, much like the climate crisis that was spoken about in the episode on delivering low carbon homes, aging is something that is happening to all of us and something that needs to be addressed in the right way if we're to ensure that all the people can continue to lead healthy, happy lives and avoid sliding into isolation, illness and inactivity and all the harms that that come with that. It was great to hear Sandy talk about the work of the U3A in this regard, building communities for older people to be part of, and create that sense of belonging and purpose that is so important, not just to older people, but really to all of us. And also what Hermina said about the importance of adapting our workplaces so that older colleagues feel comfortable and confident to stay in work for longer, and businesses can then benefit from their decades of experience when it comes to developing new products and services. Also, the point Amina made about there being tons of ways for businesses to get involved with the healthy aging agenda and tons of reasons why they should. So if you have an innovative solution or even just an idea that you'd like to be able to spend a little more time and money developing, get in touch with the team at Challenge North Time and register your interest at challengenortheast.co.uk. It's been great fun having these important conversations and my sincere thanks goes to Innovation Super Network and the great partners like North of Time Combined Authority, the Northeast LEP, the Northeast Energy Catalyst and many others for commissioning us to make this innovation series. If you want to find out more about the work of Innovation Super Network, you can go to supernetwork.org.uk or reach out to Jordan, Sarah, Estelle, Lisa or Hermina or one of the other team members directly to get involved. They have a full program uh, to help all kinds of businesses with their innovation projects, and I'm sure they would love to hear from you. Finally, thanks to Sarah, Hermina and Sandy for chatting to me for this instalment. And as always, thanks so much for listening. <laughs>